Welcome to Sex Ed Rewind, reflections on how we learn about sex. Hey there, I wanted to introduce this episode because it is a part of a series I'm doing on sex education through the perspective of a mother and a daughter. In case you missed it, last week I spoke with Dr. Debbie Salas Lopez in episode 15, Mother Daughter Magic Part 1. She told us what it was like growing up in a strict religious and Puerto Rican household in the 1970s, how she went on to become a doctor and raise a family with an honest and open communication policy when it came to sex education. In this episode, we hear from Dr. Deb's daughter, Christina Lopez Aducci, about what it was like growing up in Dr. Deb's home and how that has influenced not only how she plans to raise her two daughters, but her relationship with her mom today. I hope you enjoy. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Caro, and I'm thrilled to invite my next guest this week, a longtime friend of mine and someone that I have actually seen every day of this quarantine, (laughs) Christina Lopez-Aducci. Christina is the founder and CEO of House of Puff, a cannabis lifestyle brand. Her previous venture was Art Zealous, an art media company. After personally experiencing the medical benefits of cannabis, Christina conceived House of Puff to create a new high culture by making cannabis consumption devices that she wanted for herself. A Latina who's committed to social equity, especially in the cannabis industry, she's a member of the Minority Cannabis Business Association, the Drug Policy Alliance, and NORML. Christina has also curated art for Workville in New York City and served on the Whitney Museum Contemporary Board and the Guggenheim Acquisitions Council. An increasingly frequent guest on Cheddar TV, she has most recently launched a companion editorial site for her brand and is the on-air presenter for At Home with House of Puff on YouTube. Christina, welcome to the show. Thank you. Good to be here. We're so excited to have you. How are you feeling today? Exhausted, but excited. You, you re-energized me to, to have this wonderful conversation. Good. I'm excited. This is kind of a series piece in which I'm going to be talking to your mom. Yes. <laughs> so, Dr. Deb. Exactly. Dr. Deb. So we're going to put an interesting lens on this interview. Um, we're going to talk to you as a daughter, as a mother, and sort of see see what this was like for you from through all of those lenses. <laughs> so... First, we're going to go back in time to our high school days, a oh. young Christina. Oh, my God. So can you share with the listeners, when you were in high school, what was your favorite band, favorite fashion trend, yeah. and favorite slang word? Oh, my gosh. Okay, so high school, I was definitely rocking the Von Dutch hats. Oh, my God. Yes. Yep, yep, yes. yep, yep. Definitely the Von Dutch hats, jean capris. Okay. You know, the one shoulder Abercrombie and Fitch. You know, I always, like, would go into Abercrombie and Fitch be like, are they going to ask me to work here? Like, that would be <laughs> the coolest. Um, I love it. And, you know, along that, listening to, I was sort of like a punk rock emo kid. So 
so wow i've loved like dashboard confessional like till this day love me some dashboard confessional. i literally was telling my friend the other day she was telling about her breakup playlist and i was like there's no dashboard on here yeah it's <laughs> not a breakup <laughs> playlist if there's no dashboard i love that absolutely um, what else oh starting line coheed and cambria like oh. i really like went newfound glory these are really good i think i don't think i've thought about coheed and cambria in a very long time yeah but they're an emo classic for sure. And I was, my high school boyfriend, he was very much, like, so we would have, like, matching Von Dutch hats. Like, it was, <laughs> oh my God. it was, it was bad. And then, my, the, the slang words I was, I still use the slang words that I used in, like, peeps. Like, I still mm-hmm. say, hey, peeps. Mm-hmm. Or, like, my bad. Still yeah. use that. So I wasn't, I didn't really have, like, a, you know, what up, dog. Like, mm-hmm. I, that wasn't part of my language, but... It was definitely like peeps. It was peeps, 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 biatch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like the, you know, I grew up around like the Paris Hill. And what was that show? Her yes. and Nicole Richie. Oh, The Simple did. Life. Yeah. <laughs> Anything they said, I was saying. I feel like they are also probably a source of the Von Dutch inspiration. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yes, yes. They definitely yeah. repped that. Uh-huh. I, no one has said Von Dutch hats yet. And I'm really glad you did because that was like. A cultural staple of the time. Oh, absolutely. And they weren't cheap either. No. So, like, when you got one, you were like, oh, my God, thank you, Mom and Dad. Exactly. And, it like, the trucker hat in general was a vibe, but the Von Dutch was kind of like the, like, biatch version of the trucker hat. Yes. You know what I mean? Totally. I love that. Those are really good ones. <laughs> um, so, fashion. Okay, we're right. And then, okay, yeah, we hit all of them. You hit all of them in one shot. That was really good. Peeps is also, yeah, we keep that with us today. Okay, so wearing our Von Dutch and our Abercrombie, listening to our emo <laughs> tunes, and talking about peeps and biatches. I love it. So where in the world was your high school located? It was in Scotch Plains, New Jersey. Okay. It was a private Catholic school, mm-hmm. and I'm not Catholic. Mm-hmm. I went there because I lived in a town that didn't have the best public school mm-hmm. system, and my mom was just starting to come into her own as a physician. And because, you know, we, I, I grew up um, not well off. Mm-hmm. And so when my mom could afford private school, she absolutely took that and, and ran with it. And I'm so fortunate she did. It was difficult going to a private school because I'm not Catholic. So the first time for orientation, there was a mass. And I had no idea what this little communion thing was. And I saw people like the sign of the cross. It looked like to me they were doing a circle with their hands. So the priest or whoever, whatever they're called, was like in the name of the... And I like did a circle with my hands. And he's like, no, you have to do the sign of the cross. And I was like, I don't know what what that is. (laughs) He gave me this wafer and I didn't want to put it... I put it in my mouth, but then I put it in my pocket because I was like, I don't think I'm supposed to eat this. Did they catch you putting it in your pocket? No, but I told like one of my, like, we had like an older buddy. Yeah. And I was like, I have this in my pocket. And she's like, I'm pretty sure that's sacrilegious. Yeah, that's 100%. That is hilarious. Uh, okay, so Catholic school in Jersey mm-hmm. and what decade? Oh, the early 2000s. I graduated yeah. in 04. Well, that ages me. So, yeah. But that's okay. I mean, you're young, listen. <laughs> also, I always think it's funny that 
like whenever I do these interviews, I try to deduce the the decade of high school based on all of the answers to your first questions. You oh, know what hilarious. I mean? Because like, of course, it was two thousand four. You yeah. were wearing Von Dutch and listening to like Newfound a, Glory. Of course. <laughs> when else would it have of been? Of course. Of course. <laughs> okay, fantastic. So now we have a sense of kind of like where in the world, when in time you were going. So let's talk a little bit about your sex education experience. Did you get any in school? In high school, Mm -hmm. I sort of did, but it was very, it was abstinence, right? Mm -hmm. It was sex based on, you know, strict Catholic beliefs. And I remember, I, I still didn't quite understand, like, that I was in, like, a Catholic school. So I remember as a freshman, we had to fill out this paper, and it was, and it asked you all these, like, sex questions, and then one of them was, like, do you uh, believe in a like in abortion or a woman's right to choose? And I said, yeah. And I got called down to the principal's office. Oh, shit. Yeah. And she was like, I don't think you understand that this is against everything we believe in. And I was, I didn't know what to say. I was, yeah. you know, I was a, a freshman at a new school. I didn't know anybody. Right. So I just apologized. And right. And I said, oh, well, my mom always told me that it's my body and if I can do whatever I want with it and I'm sorry if I and I had to like take a few more religious classes after after that because they were like so stunned they did not like that answer they did not like that answer and it was no sex until you're married it was an abstinence only education for sure that's so I I think that the lens that's really interesting for me is like being in a religious school and ha- and not being religious at all. Cuz usually yeah. for kids in religious schools, they're put there because they have a framework for it. They go to church every Sunday with their parents. They go to CCD, right. you know whatever. Right. But right. to be like, "Wait, what? Yeah. Is this lens that now is being put on everything?" Like that's so fascinating. Yeah. And and in and in middle school, you know, it was, it was just about the prevention of pregnancy, mm-hmm. your anatomy, and and, and STDs. Yeah. Like, don't, like, very mean girls. Like, you will die, you will get an STD right. kind of thing. So that was just a complete, like, an utter joke. And Disaster. I knew that because I grew up with a physician in the household. And yeah. not only were we talking about body parts, but we were talking about, like, everything in between so much so my friends would like come over to talk to my mom yeah and I'm just fortunate that I had my mom who was really my mentor and coach on my sexual journey yeah interesting so sounds like it was puberty education middle school problematic catholic stuff in high school fear-based shame-based yes that was kind of the goal of the whole thing it sounds like. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's exactly what it was. I was, I was embarrassed, you know, and I still have a hard time. When I look back, I still have a hard time. I wish I would have like stood my ground a little more and just said, no, this is what I believe. This is what like, these are my morals and values. And this is what I'm taught in my household. Mm -hmm. And I am a religious person. Like I would go to church. I still pray. Um, But there are just certain beliefs when it comes to sexuality and women's right to choose, et cetera, that I just was just, I couldn't 
I'm not down with that. Yeah. And religion is such a spectrum. I mean, especially as a young pe- as a young person, you can take what serves you and leave what doesn't serve you. What I what I like about this example is that it really shows the power that groupthink has over you, right? Mm-hmm. Like as an adult, you're like, "Damn, I should have been like, no, Catholic teacher, that is not right." But you didn't know anyone. Right. Everyone at that school clearly believed what you didn't believe. So what were you going to do? You were going to say sorry and that was going to happen. You know exactly. what I mean? So like that stuff really has the, the power to change the way kids think. Absolutely. So obviously we're going to get into mom and it's come up already, which I love. So did you have any conversations about sex at home? Absolutely. It was very, from a doctor's standpoint, like this is what happens when heterosex, Mm -hmm. this is what happens when a penis enters the vagina Mm -hmm. and semen goes in. I mean, it really was very detailed, like, textbook medical shit. Yeah. Uh, Can I not? Yeah, yeah, no, of course you can. And my mom was my primary sex educator. Mm -hmm. And I remember the first time I had had sex... I had said to my mom, I go, so my friend just had sex for the first time and didn't use a condom, but he pulled right out. Like, what are the chances? And she was like, Christina, I know you're talking about yourself. <laughs> could not fool Dr. Deb. I could not fool Dr. Deb. And I was like, okay, so here's what happened, mom. You know, and I would tell my friends that, and they're like, I don't have that kind of relationship with yeah. my mom. My mom still doesn't even think I, like kiss a boy Mm -hmm. and I remember being in the car uh, with my boyfriend at the time and my mom was driving and she turned around and said well did you ejaculate or what (laughs) happened exactly and where did you eject and I my give me the details my face was (laughs) and I bet you if I reached out to my boyfriend at the time he would remember that oh I bet because he was (laughs) mortified I thought he would like never speak but that was like that's the beauty of my mom and why my friends were like hey uh, I have a question for your mom but can you put her on the phone I'm like okay so my mom became like sort of all of our sexual educators and I'm very lucky that we till this day we have that relationship where I can literally tell her everything like nothing was off topics like I remember the first time I found out like what a blowjob was Mm -hmm. and I was like somebody was talking this was fifth grade and like as a fifth grade like I can't believe like people were like talking like you know and my mom broke it down for me my dad no way like Mm -hmm. what did not I mean I think until I got married my dad does not believe that I had had sex but I don't know what I would have done and I don't know what 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 kids and teenagers and um people go through when they don't have somebody at home or somebody they're close to to have those really candid discussions and and normalize talking about this yeah and I mean it's clear that she was like a lightning rod for these combos in the neighborhood like if you had friends literally coming to her that right there is a testament enough to say that that relationship is not normal like most people do not get to have that fantastic open dialogue with a parent. If they did, none of your friends would have been going to your mom. You know what I mean? Exactly. So I'm curious, and I don't think we explicitly said, but she is a doctor. Yes. So you got the, the science side of it. Do you remember talking about like 
the social and emotional side of it, feelings and what that should look like around sex? Or was it pretty much just the stuff you needed to know not to get pregnant and keep yourself safe? My mom would remind me, you know, do this with people that you love. It was from a doctor's perspective because I think she wanted me to kind of come to my own conclusions. Sometimes sex is 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 sex and it's not because you're married to somebody or in love with them. It's just a pleasurable thing that we should all enjoy. Yeah. Full stop. Full stop. Absolutely. It doesn't have to involve emotional connection. Right. So I'm I'm curious to know how you felt about all of this as a teenager. Like having a mom that talks so openly and honestly about sex, not only to you, but to your friends and to your peers. How did that make you feel? Friends expected me to have this like reaction of, aren't you gonna, isn't this embarrassing you? And honestly, it made me feel even cooler. Like that I was associated with this, this mom who's a doctor. I I love that. I love that you didn't have any kind of embarrassment and that you were just like down for the cause and you were proud, right? Because at the end of the day, she's a physician and because she's a physician, she had the resources about how these things work. And I think a really big roadblock for parents is having no idea what to say. Right. You know, so having... The, the fact that she was a physician really lent itself to allowing you guys to have this open and honest dialogue because right. she was like, I know my shit. Yeah. And I'm going to tell it to you, you know? Exactly. And, and she's, she's, she's seen a lot of bodies, right? And right. at the end of the day, it was definitely first a clinical approach first. So it sounds like everybody was getting it all from Deb. You were getting it all from Deb. Your boyfriend was getting it all from Deb. Yeah. <laughs> so, so having all this, so you were like clearly a wealth of knowledge. And I know that you were voted most opinionated in high school, in that very Catholic high school that you went to. So I'm curious, like, how did that fit in? Like, what you were learning at home with your mom, the confidence she was giving you, the bodily autonomy she was teaching you, you know, how did that fit in with the school that didn't believe in abortion? Like, what did that look like? So my opinions, I was like sticking to it. Yeah. Like I was like, I'm not, cha- I don't care what kind of school this is. If I'm, if God is upset with me, <laughs> I'll deal with it. I will deal with it. So I, I literally just, and I lost a few friends from it, right? Because yeah. there were a lot of people who went to the school because it was a Catholic school. Yeah. Uh, yes. And what's like very LOL about that is people go to schools like that to avoid the Christina's of the world. Absolutely. <laughs> You're like, sorry, I'm here. Yeah. And that's just, I'm Let's not going to be sorry about, about it. it. Yeah, Let's absolutely. Talk, like open book. And I think you either love that or you hate that about somebody. Yeah. And I think it's also important to know that there's a direct relationship between your mom teaching you these things, being open with you, trusting you with right. the information, telling you that you get to be the decider of your own destiny. When you teach young people that, particularly young women, it gives them confidence in themselves, in who they are, and what they want to do, and what they don't want to do, right? And and then they get voted most opinionated, like having bodily autonomy and understanding bodily autonomy, which you learned from your mom, gave you the confidence you needed to become who you are. I hope that, you know, if 
for my children, giving them accurate and honest information and letting them decide and creating this independence. My mom, that was one thing. My mom till this day is like, aren't you glad you're independent? You can do all these things because I told you you're your own woman. And she's right. She's right. So I'm glad that that's how I was I was taught. Yeah, and I think people really forget that. Like when you empower someone to feel like they have ownership over their own body, that's the first step to confidence in every other facet of your life. It's really setting young people up to be successful human beings when you give them information about bodily autonomy. It's just, it's that simple. Yep. So outside of Dr. Deb in school, (laughs) were you learning about sex from any other channels or was it really just those two? It was really just my mom. I, you know, and I know that's such like a boring answer, but I never really got into, I remember like watching movies, my first, seeing my first sex scene Mm. on TV. Mm -hmm. I forget what it was. And this was like probably when I was younger, but my mom back in the day, she'd be like, you see how she got that belly? And I'm like, yeah, she just ate a lot of food. Like I really didn't understand, you know, and then seeing it on TV and have people having these intimate, but like I never, I wasn't a big porn person. Yeah. I, I, because I just had this mom who was like this wealth of knowledge. I would just, if I had any questions, like I would just ask her. So I never really had other, I mean, friends, I mean, girlfriends, we would like kiki and talk about penises and vaginas and, but it was like, who's a good kisser, who, who went to second base, you know, but it was, it was all my mom. Again, like really fortunate that we had such um, amazing open dialogue where I truly just felt comfortable to ask her just anything I wanted. Yeah, and that is the other dot that I I don't understand how people don't understand. If you have somewhere to go when you have questions about sex, you're not going to go to the mean dark web, right? Like right. you're you're going to turn to information that is probably not right, probably not good for you. You're going to start watching porn, you're going to turn to all these channels when no one is giving you information. If you have someone who's there to answer questions, you're gonna go to them. Right. So it's like if you don't want kids getting their sex education from porn, then give them sex education that isn't porn. Exactly, like if you were creating an open and honest dialogue from the beginning, whether it's about sex or not, your child is going to feel that this is the, my first point of contact. And I want that for myself. I, my mom was that for me. And I think, in my opinion, that's the best way, right? Because I now I can feel like, okay, now I'm curious about this sex thing and masturbation and mm-hmm. all these things. Like, mom, like, what's up? What's going on in my body when this happens? Explain it to me. And she would. And so I think having honesty and and allowing your child to say hey i'm curious i'm questioning some certain things i mean why would you want it any other way i don't understand why parents don't have these conversations yeah. it blows my, my mind God, blows you're like relying on like miss smith from sixth grade cl- you know class to teach your child about yeah. sex it's it just seems very backwards yes Absolutely. And also, you have more control. Your mom had full control over 
what you are learning about sex. If you give them the correct information, you don't have to worry about them learning something incorrect or dangerous or something that's going to hurt them from some other channel when you can just Exactly. Give them the, the the healthy information they need to be safe and happy right yep. there with you. Yep. It's a no-brainer. Read them the manual and they will be able to use the tools. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So we got kind of our, our channels as a young person. Next, let's move into a conversation about intersecting identities. Can you share with us some intersecting identities that you hold that you felt were important to your sex education experience? Important to my sex education experience. I mean, I am a hetero Latina. My father is very religious Mm -hmm. and my mom's dad was a pastor, right? So Pentecostal church is like uber conservative. Mm -hmm. And in the beginning, it probably made me a little nervous Mm -hmm. about sex, right? Because it's... The church, the Pentecostal church, it is a very strict section of religion within the Hispanic Latino population. Mm-hmm. And it, some of the some of the teachings scared me straight. <laughs> I, like pun not intended. But I I'm not really sure if it affected because my mom was just this strong force in my life. I sort of ignored what my dad was. You love to see it. (laughs) Yeah, I was sort of ignoring what my dad was saying, you know. Yeah. Till this day, he's a very religious man. uh, And, um, and I, and I, and I really thank my mom that she, I had an outlet. There's one memory when I was in eighth grade, we, we were separated boys and girls mm-hmm. and we were given one video to watch and the boys were given a different video to watch in separate classrooms. Right. And I remember being in the room full of girls and thinking, well, this is weird. Aren't like, aren't we supposed to be? If you're saying that we're supposed to have sex with males, mm-hmm. shouldn't we like be learning the same be stuff? Be learning the same <laughs> stuff. I'm very so. I guess that's sort of a memory that sticks out. It was ingrained in yeah. education from the very beginning. That information is stuff that everyone should know, right? Like the body parts that people have, how people reproduce, how to engage in sex safely means that we all need the same information. So to separate based on gender is insane. Like everyone needs to know that people get periods and how to manage them. And everyone needs to know that people get boners and how to manage them. Like why are we having these conversations in two different rooms? It doesn't make any sense. It, It didn't make sense then. It doesn't make sense now. It sounds like you were able to see yourself in the sex education that you got because your mom was giving it to you, Mm -hmm. which is the best part of that. Your mom knew who you were. She knew what identities were important to you. And so she included those in the sex ed that she gave you. We want to create a sex education in which everyone sees themselves and be like, wait, I have to pinpoint a place where I didn't see myself. That's hard for me because. Exactly. And you've nailed it. That's exactly it. Yeah. Right. Once again, Dr. Deb hitting it out of the park. Oh, Dr. Deb. So I'd love to talk about life beyond high school. So moving it forward a little bit to today. How do you think your sex education experience has impacted your relationship to sex today? It's impacted because I just, for me, it was so comprehensive that I 
I can just, I've always made really good decisions when it comes to my sexual well-being. I'm very in tune with my body. I know what my body wants, doesn't want. I'm very, I take ownership and I feel good in my body and Mm -hmm. I feel supported and I feel proud and I feel confident. And I think confidence is one of the most important things that um, I've learned and that I want to teach my children because if you're confident and you're getting honest and accurate information, you will have an easier time and make better decisions when it comes to navigating your sexual relationships. And so I've always approached sex and my sexual relationships from a very confident, open, honest standpoint. And I'm very, and I am very fortunate that that's how I look at myself. I mean, that's what we want for everybody. You know, bringing up confidence, like I think about the times in which I don't feel confident and it's usually because I don't know something, right? Mm -hmm. Like I'm like, oh, should I know that? And I don't know it. Or like, what am I supposed to do here? And knowledge gives us confidence, right? right? If you're in a sexual situation and someone asks you to do something that you've never heard of or you don't know how to respond, you're going to lose that confidence. But if you're given the tools to work through that and respond to it in a way that's healthy and safe for you and true to who you are, you're going to have confidence in dealing with that situation. And that starts with the information that your mom gave you. Yes. She was my primary sex educator, as I said. And, um, you know, that it for me, that's my goal as a as a mom and as a parent. Yeah. So shifting gears now to you as a mother. (laughs) Are there some things that your mother did that you want to replicate that you want to take with you in how you interact with your kids moving forward? Everything. Right. I mean, I think first and foremost, body awareness and agency, right? Naming things what they are. Um, And kids who can talk confidently and correctly about their body, they understand boundaries. They understand when something is wrong or feels wrong. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's a scary world out there empowering my children with confidence and and teaching them these lessons they will know when something is amiss or wrong or they don't feel comfortable Mm -hmm. they're being peer pressured and that is I think the biggest lesson I learned uh, that's top priority for me to teach to teach my girls yeah for sure and is there anything that you want to do differently I do want to talk about gender and sexuality. When I was growing up, the idea of somebody questioning their sexuality was was very uncommon. Mm-hmm. I remember a person in high school that people would make fun of because they identified as a man but was... Female. female at birth, okay. And um, I think growing up, no, nobody understood what was going on. Now, I mean, it's part of our, it's amazing. And it's, yeah. we can be whoever we want to be. Mm-hmm. And 
I think having more comprehensive sex education early on will help them navigate. I may have been born a female, but I don't really know if I'm identifying that way. Mm -hmm. And I want to have more of those conversations Mm -hmm. because we should be talking about heterosexual relationships and queer relationships. And it shouldn't be we're talking about hetero relationships more than queer. It should be all in one big bucket Mm -hmm. because they're equally important. And, And I want my girls... To, to know that. So I would say gender and sexuality is something that like I never really discussed with my mom because it just wasn't mm-hmm. it just wasn't a topic. And I think now more so than ever, it is an absolutely vital and important topic that we should be having with our children. And I think schools should be having those conversations too. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's so um you know, we are all a product of our generation in some capacity. Your mom was obviously doing the best with what she had at the time, but now you have access to resources that she didn't before. Exactly. And proud to say that my mom is pushing and doing work with, for example, the transgender community as it relates to healthcare, mm-hmm. right? And hospitals and adopting the, those practices and having those conversations and that is really incredible and i she is going to just like with me she's going to serve as an amazing role model and sex educator for my girls well, yeah she better she's yeah. got it she's got it <laughs> we all need her we all need her we all need her <laughs> and i think also it'll be so cool to see moving forward what role she plays as a sex educator in the, in the girl's life and her grandkids' life. So they're going to grow up not only with parents who are going to be open and honest with them about this, but also grandparents yes. who can have this conversation. Yes. And, like, what a fantastic way to grow up. What a combo, right? What a What combo. a one-two punch right there. Right there. That's good. So is there anything from your sex education journey that you wish you could unlearn? Sex before marriage? Does that yeah, count? I absolutely. Mean, I mean, I, I, I just think that's utter bullshit. I Totally. I think, sorry for all my religious peeps out there. Oh, peeps. Peeps, there you go. Um, <laughs> I, I don't think we should be teaching that. That's, that's absolutely, like, ridiculous. Like, these are, we're humans. Yeah. Like, we have needs and pleasures that we want to experience. Yeah. Why do we have to wait till we're married? That's such a societal Stupid yeah. rule. What if I don't want to get married also? Then what am I supposed to never do yeah. it? <laughs> it's like Hell, that sounds like a terrible time. <laughs> Doesn't make any sense. So yeah, I mean, unlearn. I mean, again, that was very the religious part of of it all. But yeah, that's really it. That that obviously, if you couldn't tell, it's a pimp. Like that is one of like a defining moment in terms of like my sexual education when I realized, okay, like. I can't rely on school to teach me about sex ed because mm-hmm. they are going to approach it in a way that I just a don't agree with and b I wasn't I wasn't taught that yeah and um, mom's always right <laughs> yeah listen in your case mom is always right oh, let's she's, be she's honest the best. and the last one like this like utopian sex education experience that you've described knowing what you know now what do you wish that your sex education journey could have looked like like would you have changed it in any capacity 
I mean, there's always room for improvement, right? Especially growing up in the 90s and early 2000s. It'll be interesting when the girls are in school and I get the curriculum to see what they're learning or what they're not learning. Yeah, I mean, I hope that, again, back to the gender and sexuality and more comprehensive sex education as as it comes to kids and teenagers feel um, confident and feel like they have people that they can learn from that won't judge them and creating a safe space. Thanks to you (laughs) and this amazing podcast that I hope every sexual educator should be listening to. If you are a teacher, you should be listening to this. Fantastic. So before we close out, I want to give you an opportunity to tell everyone where they can follow your work in House of Puff. Sure. You can follow me at at Christina Aducci, A-D-D-U-C-I, Christina with a K, you know, got to be sassy, on Instagram, houseofpuff.com, the House of Puff on Instagram. Shoot me a message, you know, I love to chat. If you want to talk cannabis, happy happy to, hey, cannabis and sex, there's a good topic that I can talk about. Yeah, you're the cannabis gal for sure. (laughs) Thank you for having me. Okay, fantastic. And check them out on YouTube. Oh, yes. At Home with House of Puff. At Home with House of Puff. And so I will link all of that to the show notes on my website, and I'll tag you on all of those on Instagram. So if anyone is looking to find her, you can find us there. Okay, thank you so much for coming on, Christina. This was lovely. Thank you, Caro. You can find the show on Instagram at sexedrewind or online on my website at caroconfort.me. I drop new episodes to podcast platforms every Monday. The cover art and website are by Kelsey Reifler and the podcast is produced and edited all by me. 